Turn with me again this evening to scripture we've looked at last Friday night, Psalm 4. Psalm 4. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For you, Lord, only make me to dwell in safety. Today's English version of verse 8 says, When I lie down, I go to sleep in peace. You alone, O Lord, keep me perfectly safe. Can he do it? Is it his will? You alone, O Lord, keep me perfectly safe. We've been on for the last several weeks now a subject we're calling perfect protection. Perfect protection. We read, you know, that the Bible said in the last days there'd be perilous or dangerous times. And uh, that evil seducers and people would wax worse and worse. So we can't really use our faith to believe that this whole planet is going to become safe and completely safe and peaceful the longer we go. We're told it's going to get worse. Aren't we? We're told it's going to get worse going to be violence and there's going to be danger in the last days he said would be dangerous perilous times and we can certainly see that can't we I mean you, you don't go a day without seeing on the news where somebody got hurt somebody got killed somebody got robbed and murdered and so-called accidents and every other thing so we are in the midst we've been here all our life and we don't think about it so much but this is a dangerous place this place called earth I don't care where you live. You think you live in a country town in a rural area, but people get killed out there too. They get killed. People, crime and tractors running over people. And I mean, you know, you can get killed anywhere. And dead is dead. (laughs) Whether in the city or the country or by a bullet or by a mule kicking you in the head. Dead is dead. There's dangers, what I'm saying. There's da- you can't go to a place where you say, boy, this is a completely safe place. You could get the flu and die. I mean, right? I mean, where is this completely safe place? Not down here. You can't find it. But, 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 can God, in the midst of all this danger, can he keep us safe? Can he protect us? Is it his will? We are convinced that yes, he can, and yes, it is his will. And so we've been camping out in Psalm 91. You want to go there now? Psalm 91, we've been camping out, looking at it word and phrase, verse at a time. And we are convinced that it's always God's will to protect his people. But... We have found that it's not all up to God, whether we're protected or not. We have a large responsibility in the matter. And we see in this 91st Psalm, things that we're supposed to do, and then things that God said He would do in response to us doing that. So there is a manward side to us being protected, and there is a Godward side to us being protected. Well, if we got responsibilities, we need to find out, and we don't need to wait a bunch of time. We need to find out so we can be safe right now. So, verse 1, let's review a little bit. Psalm 91, 1. He that dwells in the secret place... Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let me, I'm going to read this to you from the English version here. I got it with me today. Whoever goes to the Lord for safety, this is verse 1. Whoever remains under the protection of the Almighty can say to him. He's going to do what? He's going to say, you are my defender and protector. You are my God. In you I trust. Should we say this? Is this our responsibility? Now see, people that haven't been taught the importance, the significance of saying, they haven't been taught the importance of their words, that just goes right over their head. 
But how do you get born again? You believe in your heart. And you do something else. You confess. You speak with your mouth. You know, there's a lot of people in this town tonight. People all over the world that believe in God. They believe he's real. They believe in Jesus. They believe Jesus is real. They believe Jesus went to the cross. They believe he rose from the dead. They believe he's coming again and are lost. Lost. You know why? They have not received him and confessed him as their Lord. The Bible said the devils believe uh, in God and tremble. Well, they're not saved. No, but how many are glad that you not only believe that, but you confessed with your mouth and you said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you you for saving me. My faith is in you that I'm saved by your blood, by your redemptive work. You must believe it. You must confess it personally. Now, we know that about the new birth, but people got off the train after that. No, it's the same thing with your healing. It's the same thing with your provision. It's the same thing with your protection. It's not enough to believe God can heal. Sometimes he heals. No, it's not enough. That's like believing God can save. And sometimes it's his will to save. You can be lost like that. What if somebody told you, well, I believe God can save now. Oh, I believe it with all my heart. And I believe sometimes he does. (laughs) Well, if you said, have you made Jesus your Lord and Master? Oh, I I don't know. It's up to him. What would you tell them? You're in trouble. But see, people have not carried that over to other areas. You ask them, do you believe God can heal? I believe God can heal anything, anything, anywhere, anytime. You believe it's his will to heal? Well... You just never know. You know what God is going to do. You believe God is your healer? Well, it's up to him. You know, we really don't have much to do with it. Well, you believe a lie. You have just as much to do with you being healed as you do you being saved. Just as much. And you can't just, you know, bump along and say, well, God's a healer. No, he is my healer. My healer. He heals me just like you believe he's my savior. He saves me. Can you see that? So important. Everybody said out loud, the Lord is the Lord who heals me. He forgives all my iniquities. And he heals all my diseases. Am I quoting scripture? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if it's not his will? Well, then like we said before, confessing that would create a problem, wouldn't it? But there's no problem in the word, just in people's heads. Now, what about your protection? Same that people say, I now believe God could protect you. In any place, I don't care. Do you believe if somebody put up a gun and is going to shoot you, could God protect you and keep that bullet from hitting you? I believe God can do anything. You believe if somebody put some deadly disease in you, could God neutralize that? I believe God can do anything. Could God do it? I believe God. Would he? Would he do it for you? Well... Well, if it was his will, see, that's an easy way out. That means you don't have, it's not your responsibility. You don't have to believe anything. Did you hear me now? It's a spiritually irresponsible position. And it's just as wrong as the man saying, I believe God can save anybody, but it's up to him whether I'm saved or not. We know that's not right. But we got to get clear that it's that way in every area of life. Is he your Savior? Your Savior. My Savior. Is he your healer? Come on, everybody sit out loud. He's my healer. How about your provider? He's my. Now, I'm telling you, it's a spiritual principle. Whatever you say he is to you, he will be to you. 
You go around all the time saying God's my provider. He meets all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He always takes care of me. He always meets all my needs. Whatever you say he is to you, he will be experientially to you. Well, notice what does this say? I mean, we're we're verse 2 of this psalm. And what does it say? I will You must say this. And not put a bunch of ifs and a bunch of doubt in it. You must say what? The English version says, you are my defender. Don't you like that? You are my defender and protector. Which is the spirit of what he's saying here. You are my God in you I trust. Everybody say it out loud. You are my refuge. You are my defender. You are my fortress. You are my protector. I trust in you. You're my God. And you protect me. Anything try to scare you, try to shake you, you ought to be so full of that that it just comes right out of your mouth. Anything try to hurt your kids? Did you hear me? It ought to come right out of your mouth. What ought to come out of your mouth? God is my protector. God protects us. But see, religion has taught people to be quiet. And just be afraid. And beg God, oh God, please, please, oh God, please don't let this happen to us. Please, please. No faith. Did you hear me? Religion has made beggars out of men. But it was never so. It was never so in the Bible. It was never so with Jesus. If you're a believer, you're not a beggar. If you're a beggar, you're not a believer. Which one are you? Hmm? You know, don't, you don't teach people to come to the altar and beg God to save them. That's acting like it might not be His will. Oh, please, God, would you save me? Please, God. He already has. He's already paid the price. He's already demonstrated His will. And you don't beg God to heal you. Millions of Christians don't believe that, but it's true. You don't beg God to heal you. If you do, you're not in faith. And you don't beg God to meet your needs. If you do, you're not in faith. And you don't beg God to protect you. Well, I got a few people with me. Tradition. Tradition. So I said, well, ain't what we've had preached. Well, what scripture did they give you for it? Huh? That's not what we preach at our church. What scripture is it based on? All this begging. We're reading the Bible tonight. And listen how bold it is. I mean, most believers know Psalm 91, don't they? But they've not acknowledged how bold it is. He said, I will say of the Lord. If he chooses to help me, he has the power to... No, no, no. God is my refuge. He's my fortress. He protects me. He keeps me. He's my God. And I trust in him to protect me. No ifs, ands, about, you know, if it's the will of God. No, no, no. Verse 3, he will keep you safe from all hidden dangers and from all deadly disease. Now you've got to keep that in verse 2. While you're saying that, while you're saying he's your God and protector, he will keep you safe. Verse 4, he will cover you with his wings. There's that canopy of protection. You'll be safe in his care. His faithfulness will protect you. Verse 5, this is us again, right? Back to us, our part. Verse 5, what? You'll not be afraid. Now the NIV says, you will not fear. And the King James says what? You'll not be afraid. Can you control whether you're afraid or not? A lot of people don't believe you can. Don't base it on feelings. You can feel afraid. That doesn't mean you have to yield to it. Your hair can be standing up on the back of your neck. Goosebumps on your arms. Your knees bumping together. And you say, I don't care. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I refuse to fear. I refuse to yield to this. God's my protector. Don't yield to fear. When you yield to fear, it gives the devil a legal right to destroy. And it hinders God 
takes away his legal right to protect. We've got to do our part. We say God's our protector. And two, we don't fear. We don't fear. Let me read this while we're talking about that. You don't have to turn there. But Psalm 27, verse 1, uh, that's also in the English version. Psalm 27, verse 1, says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. I will fear no one. Did you hear that? This is today's English version, Psalm 27, 1. I will fear no one. The Lord protects me from all danger. I will never be afraid. Did you hear that? Say it out loud. I will fear no one. You're quoting the Bible, Psalm 27, 1. Say it again. I will never be afraid. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. I will never be afraid. Now see, the devil will tell you you can't do that. But if the Bible tells you to do it, you can do it. Hmm? Didn't the Lord Jesus himself say, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Did he tell us that? Didn't say try. He didn't say try. That would have implied that we might not have been able to do it or he might not have known whether we could. No, he knew we could. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Said out loud, I don't yield to fear. He said, I will not be afraid. He said, verse 3, even if a whole army surrounds me, I will not be afraid. Say it again, I'll not be afraid. Even if enemies attack me, I will still trust God. That's how you overcome the fear. What do you do when you feel afraid? You trust God. Hmm? What do you do when the thing looks fearful and it looks bad and it grips you and you feel it? What do you do? Instead of yielding to the fear and talking about how terrible it is and how we're not going to make it, instead of doing that, you say, I fear I resist you in Jesus' name. God is our protector. God is our deliverer. We trust in Him and He will deliver us. And the Bible went on to say that He'll do it. Verse 5, you'll not fear any dangers at night or sudden attacks during the day. I'm back in Psalm 91 now. Or the plagues that strike in the dark or the evils that kill in the daytime. You won't be afraid of any of that. A thousand may fall dead beside you, ten thousand all around you, but you will not be harmed. Glory. The thing that helps you in this area so tremendously is to be free from the fear of death. Not afraid to die. Now, if you're not saved and you don't know God, you will be afraid to die. And I don't care how strong you think you are, you will be afraid to die. But when you know God, and you know your name's in the Lamb's book of life, and you know what happens to you when you die, and you know it's not the end, it's just the beginning, and you know where you're going, you're not afraid to die. And if you're not afraid to die, you're not afraid of being shot, you're not afraid of crashing, you're not afraid of wrecks, you're not afraid of disease, because you're not afraid to die. Most of the population is scared to die, full of fear of death. But believers are not supposed to be. We're supposed to be free from all fears. Makes for a good life. He said, verse 9, you have made the Lord your defender, the Most High, your protector. That's reiterating what we saw before, isn't it? He's, you say, he's my defender. He's my protector. And so, no disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Can we believe that? No disaster will strike you. No violence will come near your home. Can we believe this or not? Say it out loud. No disaster, no disaster will, strike me. will strike me. That is an unpopular statement religiously. If you stand up and say, somebody says, well, such and such, they threaten this and they threaten it. could be a disaster. It could take out millions. And you say, well, it won't strike me. <laughs> what will masses of religious people say and do? They'll go, oh, yeah. who, do, who do you think you are? Which means they don't know who they are. No disaster will strike us. And what else? Say, no violence will come to my house. house. Say it again. No 
Verse 11, God will put his angels, he'll charge them to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up in their hands to keep you from hurting your feet on the stones. We have angels. And we talked about that. Glory to God. I was reminded, you know, when the man of God, they sent a whole group of soldiers to take him, one man. Because he'd been telling uh, his king, the enemy king's secrets and plans. And they found out about it and sent a special force unit to go get this prophet and his helper. And they came and saw the whole city surrounded. you remember that? And his young man helper was scared. And he said, Lord, he said to him, he said, there's more with us than with them. And he couldn't figure that out. (laughs) He thought... I see a bunch of people and it's just me and you. (laughs) There's more with us than be with them. He said, Lord, open that young man's eyes. And he did. And he saw round about the whole area. Round about the whole area. There were chariots of fire. And oh, hallelujah. There's more with us than with them. I don't care how many there are. We read where one angel, one, took out 185,000 enemy soldiers. They are mighty. The Bible says they are mighty in strength. And you have at least one and more assigned to you. The Bible says so. To protect you, to keep you. It ought to make you feel warm and cozy. To know who you got camping around your house while you're snoozing in your bed. Who you got camping around your car while you're ripping down the road. We believe it, don't we? Now keep reading. Verse 13, what does it say? Now this is where we are. We've got down to this now. And this is the, today's English version says it like this. You will trample down lions and snakes, fierce lions and poisonous snakes. You'll do what with them? Lions? Man, lions are rough. (laughs) I've never had a desire to go hand to hand with a lion. They are fierce. And there are some bad snakes around too. There are some monster poisonous snakes. And he said, you do what with them? Trample them. Glory to God. God says, I'll save those who love me and protect those who acknowledge me as Lord. Now, he said, you'll tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shall you trample under feet. These are things that bite and hurt and sting. These are things that bite and sting, hurt. And you'll do what with things that hurt? To trample means you're on top of it. It's under you. And this is spiritual language. And it has to do with who has the authority over who. Go to Luke, please. The 10th chapter. Luke 10. Now, we've talked about how God protects. He protects by his mighty canopy of power. Under his wings, the Bible said, he has the ability to just come over you like a mother hen or eagle can just come over her young and put her wings over them. And the predator can't even see them or get to them. We talked about this, how the Bible says the devil... Goes about as a what? Ah, lion. Hmm? What do we do with lions? <laughs> goes about as a roaring lion doing what? Seeking. Why would he seek them? Means he's got to find them first. Seeking whom he May, means he, he may not be able to. 
Seeking whom he may devour. So he's got to find you. And even then he may not be able to. But when the eagle puts its wings over its young, the predator can't even see them anymore. Can't find them. And in order to get to them, he's got to come through the eagle. And that's the picture that is painted of our God under his wings, under his feathers, his pinions. We are safe. Unless you're a dumb little independent chick. (laughs) That's going to run out from under the covering. Then you're going to be somebody's lunch. But he that dwells. Huh? He that stays where he's supposed to, he's safe. He's kept. He dwells, he's safe under the shadow, that canopy, that power of the Almighty. This is real. I said, this is real. Also, he protects us by his angels. We talked about that, that are mighty in strength. Also, he protects us. What's the last thing we've been talking about? He protects us through warnings. This is an area not to be neglected now. How did he protect Jesus as a little child? Warnings. Well, we shouldn't try to make him protect us by a more spectacular means than the master himself. How did he protect Paul? More than once he said, hurry up and get out of town. Jesus, in a vision, told Paul, hurry up and get out of town. Well, what's it time to do then? Hurry up and get out of town. You don't stand there and go, God will protect me. He is. He told you to get out of town. Right? So people have done foolish things and have ignored warnings and have ignored what should have been obvious and died young and wrong. Hold your place here and go with me before we read this to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7, 7, Ecclesiastes, and verse 17, there is so much wrong believing among Christians, so much, and it's because people don't base their believing on the Word. They stay out of the Word. They're not knowledgeable of the word and they just believe what people say. They believe what preachers say. They believe what people with degrees say. They believe people that write books. Did you know, I don't care if it's 330 pages and nice graphics and a hardbound cover and the author has four degrees, it can be completely wrong. Right? Just because it's in print doesn't make it right. You should be asking one standard question. Every day, every night, every sermon, every person. What's the scripture? Excuse me. I gave you the punchline. What's the question? What's the question? Where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? And not just a half of a verse. If it's really word, the Bible said, let it be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Show me multiple verses where it is. But people don't do that. They just swallow stuff and accept stuff and they get excited about this new idea. No, tell me what the standard question is all the time. Where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? And if you don't have it, I don't care if it's me, I don't care who it is. If they don't have the scripture, don't you believe it? Don't care how nice they are, how educated they are. Don't accept it. Don't build your life on it. Don't act on it. People, no telling how many times it happened today. Believers died from a disease, from a car accident, a crime. All over this planet today, there were a lot of believers who died from these kind of things. And there were preachers who stood over them and said, well, it was just their time to go. Huh? It was their time to go, and we don't know why, but we have to leave these things in God's hands. 
And God loved them so much, he wanted them to take them to himself. So God took them. And it was their time. But it's not true. I said it's not true. Look at this verse. Ecclesiastes 7 and 17. What does it say? Be not over much wicked. Neither be foolish. Why? Why should you die before, before your time? And if you put all the scripture together, you'll find your time to die is not a preset, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon on a certain day. You'll find the Bible talks about you shall come if you're blessed. You come to your grave in a full season. Like a shock of corn. There's a time when it's appropriate time to harvest the corn. And there's a time when it's still green. And the end of this psalm that you and I are studying, Psalm 91, what does it say? With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So somebody says, well, you know, they died at 21, but it was just their time. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. They died at 46 from cancer and it was just their time. I'm sorry, but no. We cannot accept that in light of the Bible. Now, if they're saved, they went to be with Jesus. And that's better than being here. And that's wonderful. But they were robbed of days they could have had. I know a lot of people don't like that. But give me the truth. How about you? The truth makes you free. Are there people dying young before the proper time to die because of living wrong and being wicked? And what else? What? Just being foolish. Hmm? Can you do something dumb and die? (laughs) Years before you are to leave here. Is it because God decided to take you? No, No, it's because you were dumb. (laughs) Foolish. Am I reading the Bible here or not? Why should you die before the proper time to die? By being too foolish. Well, the reason I read that is because when the Lord warns you and lets you know things and you blare right on into them, that's being foolish. And that's how a lot of people die prematurely they die before they should die if you do a study on this don't just take somebody's word for it do a study for it you'll find the bible teaches there's some things you can do that will shorten your time there are other things you can do that will add years to your life scriptures that say this and thank god this very psalm we're studying with long life so what is his will Long life is his will. Being satisfied before you go. That's his will. How many know you got to be protected to make it all the way? <laughs> yeah, you do. So protection's part of it. If we're going to get there all the way to long life, we've got to have some protection. Now go back to uh, Luke, please. Luke. How does God protect us? Go over it with me again. What have we learned from Psalm 91? How does he protect us? That shadow under his wings, that canopy, power of protection. How many believe you could be in the middle of something where people are dying all around you and God could just come over you? Like a force field. Can he do it? He's done it many, 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 many times. What's your part? You're standing there saying, God is my God and I trust Him. He is my protector. He is my defender. He keeps us. You saying it and you saying, I refuse to fear. I will not fear this. God will keep me. You got to do your part. Also, angels. Also, warnings. And now we're getting to another area. You'll do what to the lions and the adders? You'll do what? trample well that's that's not warnings and that's not angels and that's not canopy of protection trample somebody say trample Trample. what's trampling well we're gonna see it right here luke 
Ten. Ready to trample? Huh? Trample. Luke 10. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Word. Thank God for God. Who else are you going to thank? <laughs> Luke 10. Well, back up to the uh, ninth chapter and you begin to get a more full understanding. Luke 9 and 1. Luke 9 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And he gave them power and authority. Somebody say power and authority. He gave them power and authority over all devils. Now you do know it's devils that cause problems. reason I say that, people are talking about accidents. But we already talked about how that again and again, it's not so much an accident as it is a setup. The devil set it up. It takes some pretty good timing for you to get to the intersection at exactly the same time as the guy that's been drinking for the last eight hours. And all the places he's been. It's a setup. And he gave them power and authority over all devils. And that includes all the stuff they're doing. And what else? To cure diseases. Well, now this covers a whole lot of ground. What's dangerous to human beings? Well, uh, so-called accidents, violence, crime. Well, the devils are involved in this stuff. And what else? Diseases can kill people too. But he gave them power and authority over all devils and all disease. If you have power and authority over all devils, then they shouldn't be running you. You should be running over them. If you got power and authority over all disease, disease shouldn't be running your life. It shouldn't be destroying you. You should be coming over it. Is this true now? And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. And what? Why? Because that's evidence of the message. Isn't it? Healing has always accompanied the proclamation of the good news. With Jesus in the book of Acts, with the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists, right? Always, always. Why? Because what is the good news? I mean, Jesus' main text that he proclaimed, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach this good news. And he went on, didn't he? What? Good news to the poor? Recovering of sight to the blind? Heal the brokenhearted, set the captive free. That sounds like getting healed to me. Right? Getting healed. Getting out of debt. Right? Glory to God. That's good news. Signs and wonders follow the proclaiming of the good news. And he went on. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And verse 6, verse 6, they departed and they went through the towns and they did what? Exactly what he told them to. They proclaimed the good news and healing everywhere. Preaching and healing. Preaching and healing. Preaching and healing. Luke 10, Luke 10 verse 1. Somebody says, yeah, but now Brother Keith, that was the twelve. You always got somebody around that wants to explain it away and take it away from you, don't you? That was the 12, Brother Keith. And when the last apostle died, all that ceased. Said who? Yeah, where's the scripture? (laughs) What about the 70? Right here, verse 1 of chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed other an additional 70 also. So how many we got now? 82. 82 and counting. <laughs> so people aren't even saying it right, are they? Well, they're trying to talk us out of it. They should be saying, well, that was the 82. <laughs> but when the last 82 died, all that. <laughs> they didn't even get that right. 
Of course, that wouldn't be right either. And he sent them, didn't he? He sent them in verse 9. Verse 9, what did he tell them? Heal the sick. You can't do it unless you got power and authority. That are therein and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Glory to God. And verse 17, skip down to verse 17. They went and did it just like the 12 went and did it. And the 70 returned again with? Oh, Proverbs says when the righteous are in authority, the people... Well, sure you do. When you've got power over the disease instead of it having power over you, it sure makes you happier. Let this get in your spirit, friend. Let this get in your spirit. Are you a child of God? Are you a disciple of His? The Holy Ghost in you? Do you have the name of Jesus? Then disease is not supposed to rule over you. Devils are not supposed to rule over you. Sin is not supposed to rule over you. You and I are supposed to rule over it. He said, heal the sick that are therein. They did. Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy. What'd they say? What'd they say? They said, Lord. We were not saying it properly. They were happy. They returned with joy. They were pumped. They were excited. Weren't they? They said, Jesus, Jesus. Them devils ran just like they do from you. Just like from you. When we said it, man, we said, get, and they got. And they all shouted. The other one said, yeah, I told that disease, I told that cancer, die and get out of that woman. And it did, it did, it did. It did just what we told it to do. They were excited, weren't they? They were rejoicing. Now, see, you got millions of Christians that go, ooh, wouldn't it have been something to live back there? And been one of the twelve. No, no, 82. <laughs> one of the 82. But of course you got to add everybody in the book of Acts. To that number. <laughs> yeah. Then you got to add us. It's right. It's right. <laughs> you got to ask the question, who has the name of Jesus? Because that's where the power is, and that's where the authority, who has the Holy Ghost, that's where the power is. Who's got the name of Jesus, that's where the authority is. I thought we had the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Ghost they had? I thought we had the name of Jesus. Huh? Same name they had? Then why wouldn't we have the same power? And the same authority? Well, we do. Actually. The 70 came back, they said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. Jesus said, yeah, I saw him fall. (laughs) I beheld Satan as lightning fall. I mean, that's falling hard and fast. You know how quick lightning comes down? (laughs) He didn't float down. (laughs) We're talking no parachute, big rock tied to your feet. We're talking boom. (laughs) And nobody deserves it more. (laughs) Behold. Now get verse 19. They are talking about authority and power over devils and their operations and their work and over disease and its operation. Aren't they? And what did he say verse 19? What did he say? Behold. I give to you. That's the word for authority. I give to you authority to do what? What? That sounds familiar. Where'd we hear that? In the protection song. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And oh, get it, get it. I'm reading in the New Testament, friends. And what? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Glory to God. That's not ambiguous. That's not wavery. That's not if it be the will of God. That's not just we just never know. This is powerful. This is bold. Right? Do we believe it? I believe it. Hmm? Faith Life Church believes it. Am I right? We believe it. 
We believe it. That includes everybody watching with us. Everybody. 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 I don't care what country you live in. I don't care how wild it is in the streets. I don't care if they're shooting at each other in the streets right now. You believe this and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. But people don't believe it. People will hear all this, won't they? They'll hear all this and go, well, I know all them good verses are in there. But you know, you just never know. You just never know. See, they believe that more than they do this. They believe you just never know. They have more faith in that than they do this. But not us. I said, not us. We believe this. So when he says, you'll tread, you'll trample on the lion, on the adder, the dragon, the poisonous viper. What is he talking about? From this it's obvious. Authority. He's talking about authority and the power to back up the authority over these things that would hurt us. Are y'all with me now? Let's go over it again. How does God protect us? One, his canopy, his power of protection. What else? Hmm? Angels, powerful angels. What else? Warnings. And what else? He has given us. Glory to God. He has given us power and authority over things that can hurt us. Things that could bite us, things that could sting us, things that could damage us and harm us. Let me read it to you again. Are you got your eyes on it? Verse 19, Jesus is talking. Behold, I give to you. Could you receive this for yourself? Is the Bible God talking to you? I give to you power, authority to tread on serpents. And scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Everybody said out loud. He has given me power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. We're quoting Jesus. We're quoting Jesus. We believe it, don't we? We believe it. Now, if you'll back up to the fourth chapter of Luke, we read that he gave them power and authority over devils. That's all the emissaries, representatives of the devil. And what else? Every disease. In Luke 4, 36, Luke 4, 36, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and with power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. People say, yeah, but now that was Jesus. Yeah, but who else did it? The 12 and who else? The 70, and who else? We read about people in the book of Acts doing it. And who else? Us! They said, man, what a word. He don't just mumble around. He just commands them and they get. They hadn't been seeing the scribes and Pharisees do that at all. <laughs> and verse 37, the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he rose out of the synagogue and he entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. She wasn't just running a few degrees. Is she in danger? Yes, she is. I mean, they didn't have all the drugs and things they have today either. But she's running this huge fever. It looks like she's about to be out of here. Is this thing dangerous to her? Does she need protection from this? Can it kill her? Yes. 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 So we got a written example of how Jesus dealt with one of his people being endangered. 
Huh? What did he do? Didn't beg the father all night if he would spare her life. And yet that's how most Christians do it. You should see the looks I get across the crowd when I say things like this. Whose example are you going to follow now? Some preacher, somebody with degrees, or Jesus? He did not beg the father all night if he would spare Peter's mother-in-law. What did he do? Hmm? Look her there. Look here. She was taken with a great fever, and they came and besought him for her. And verse 39, he stood over her, and he did what? He must have believed he had authority over fever and whatever was causing it. And somebody said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, that's Jesus. Who else did it? We just got through reading. The 12 did it. We got through reading. Do you believe it or not? Did the 12 do it too? We read it. Did the 70 do it also? We see example of people doing it in the book of Acts too, that kind of thing. Yeah. He rebuked the fever. He's not praying. He's not talking to the father. He's not talking to Peter's mother-in-law. Is he? Who's he talking to? The fever. I remember years ago I read that. And I stopped and I thought, he's talking to the fever. And I immediately thought, can fevers hear? Can fevers hear? And I read the next part. What did he say? And it left her. I thought, yep. (laughs) Yep. Fevers can hear. If fevers can hear, cancer can hear. Age can hear. High blood pressure can hear. Come on now. Infection can hear. But see, millions of Christians, they would never dare speak to a cancer. Or speak to a infection. No, friends. A fever comes on your baby, comes on your child, comes on you. You're supposed to jump on that thing with both feet spiritually and go, No, you don't. Not in my house you don't fever. Get off of my baby. I rebuke you. Get off of my baby. Get out of my house. Fever, get off of my body. Cancer, I command you to die. You can't live in my body. I command you to die. But how many, what percentage of Christians talk that way and do that? Well, you can't control everybody, but hey. (laughs) Mrs. Well, I don't know if I'm one of y'all. I'm just trying this place out tonight. Well, somebody might have saw you come in here already. They probably already know you coming over here, so you might as well get the benefits. It's easier to believe that other stuff. The problem is people die young. And they perish. And they lose their kids. And they didn't have to. Are you with me? No. He rebuked the fever. And it left her. And immediately she got up. And started waiting on them. Can God turn your situation around? You know how many times did he tell them? They come. They brought them in there on the bed. He said get up. Put the bed on you. Take it out. You came in on the bed. Bed's going out on you. That's having your situation turned around, my brother and sister. They've been waiting on her, putting cool cloths on her head, patting her cheeks, and going, oh, bless her heart. Somebody go get some cool water. They've been ministering to her. Now, boom, get out of here, fever. She pops up and goes, y'all hungry? I got something in here I can feed you. Yeah, she goes to waiting on them. How quick can God turn your situation around? So disease is a danger to human life. Can God protect you from it? What is one big way that he has enabled us to be protected? He has given us authority over devils and disease. Now go on over in the book of Luke to the 8th chapter. Just a couple of chapters over. Chapter 8. Oh, the Lord's helping us so much. On this, is this getting in your spirit? God intends for us to be safe all our life, and for our kids to be safe, 
And for us not to be cut short of our life. But to live a full length of days down here below. Do everything we're supposed to do on the planet. Be satisfied. Then go on. Luke 8. Are you there? Luke 8. Verse 22. Luke 8, 22. It came to pass on a certain day. He, Jesus, went to a ship with his disciples and he said to them, let us go over to the other side of the lake. As Brother Kenneth Hagin, my father in the faith, that was one of his favorite sayings. Nearly every time he'd get an airplane to go somewhere, he'd say, let's go to the other side, boys. (laughs) What does that mean? But if you make it to the other side, you didn't crash halfway. Jesus didn't say, go halfway and sink. What did he say? Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. Isn't that our text? What does our text say? Hmm? You know, when you're right with God and you have faith and you're free from fear, you can sleep anywhere. Hmm? If you can't, you need to get delivered. You got to have everything perfect and it's got to be so-so and you can't rest here and you can't rest there till you get to your one only spot. You need to be delivered because you got some fears and stuff in you. You'll be able to sleep in the back seat, on the boat, on the plane, in the chair, on the apple cart. On the floor. Huh? Some folk didn't like it, but I said it for your benefit. For yours. Get free. Now, what if you say for 20 years, I just can't rest on a plane? (laughs) I just can't rest till I get back to the house and get in my own bed. And I just, I can't rest other places like that. I don't know. I guess I'm just different. (laughs) No, your mouth is messed up. You could be resting. You could be enjoying things instead of being tense all the time. (laughs) Are you safe or not? Do we have protection or not? Only at home in the bedroom? Or everywhere we go. So as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water. How many know when the boat is filled with water? Not good. Not good. And what they were, didn't just say it looked bad when the Bible says, you in jeopardy? (laughs) You in jeopardy. You are not in a good way. What does jeopardy mean? They were in danger. They were in peril. Isn't that what we're talking about? Here we got a perfect example. What did Jesus do when he and his bunch were in danger? (laughs) A storm came up. And this storm was dangerous. This storm was the kind of storm people die in. And already the boat's full of water. And they're not there. They're not close to the other side. But what did Jesus say? Let's go over. He didn't say go halfway and sink. What did he say? Let's go over to the other side. That means make it all the way. Make it all the way. Verse uh, 23, they were in jeopardy. They were in danger. And they came to him and they woke him up. And they said, Master, Master, we're perishing. We're sinking. We're drowning. Were they in danger? The Bible says they were. And what did he do? Hmm? He said, pray, boys, pray. Pray. Oh, God, don't let us die out here. Please, God, please. We hadn't finished our mission. Please, Father. Please, God. Boys, pray. What did I say? Pray. And they're all begging. Oh, please, God, please. Don't let us die out here. Isn't this what religion has taught millions of believers to do? I tell you, religion has taught people to be beggars. 
Not the Bible. The Bible teaches you to be a believer. Believers are not beggars. What did he do? What did he do? What do you do? Here's danger. It's swooping in on you. It's there. It looks like you could die any moment. What do you do? Hmm? God's my God. He protects me. His power's around me. His angels are around me. Now, if he warned you not to go, <laughs> it's time to do some serious repenting. Right? I want you to see a big difference in these two things here. What did he do? We know the rest of the story. He spoke, didn't he? He rebuked the wind. Now, if the father had been doing this storm, he would not have rebuked it. So obviously, it wasn't the father in this storm. He rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and it ceased, and there was a calm And he said to them, I'm sure glad you woke me up in time. (laughs) Huh? Because, you know, I'm the only one on this boat that could have done that. If you hadn't woke me up. No, what did he say? What did he say? Why would he say that to them? If they were powerless in the situation, why would you say that? How many remember when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, cursed it, and they remarked about it? What did he say to them? He said, if you'd have faith and not doubt, you would not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, but if you said to this mountain, be removed, didn't doubt in your heart, but believe, it would obey you. Could they have done this? Absolutely. He's asking them why they didn't. That's what he's asking them. Where is, you just saw my faith, he's saying. Where is yours? Why didn't you do this? Do you understand? They didn't even have to wake him up. Religion has not taught us this. But he's teaching, he said, where is your faith? Why are you shaking and scared? Why didn't you take care of this already? Hmm? And they being afraid... So since he says, where's your faith? They are more afraid now. (laughs) What manner of man is this? Notice it didn't say God. What manner of what? He's operating as a man. He commands even the winds and the water and they obey him. Verse 26, verse 26. What happened? And they arrived. Just like he said. Just like he said. Now, I want to remind you of what we studied uh, last week or so. A similar situation. Paul and a storm in a boat. Do you remember that? They did not make it with the boat to their destination. Did they? They lost the boat. They lost all the tackling and cargo of the ship. It was... An ordeal, a harrowing ordeal. You know, Paul talks about, he said, I was in perils in this and perils in that. And he mentioned, he said, a night and a day I was in the deep. What does that mean? Out in the open ocean. Just floating. And the whole bunch of them, the crew and all the prisoners and all the passengers were out there holding on to planks. Holding on to something to float. It was an arduous ordeal. It was harrowing. Not like this. Not like this at all. Jesus stands up and speaks. And it stops. And they sail on over. They were saved. But so to speak by the skin of their teeth. They arrived in authority. Peace and smooth sailing. I mean the thing just stuck. It's like somebody just pulled the plug on the storm. It just quit. What was the difference? Jesus told them to go. Are you with me on this? He told them to go. The Lord warned Paul for them not to go. Oh, do you see that? And he told them we don't need to go. But they wouldn't listen. 
Friend, get the difference here. There was protection on both ones. Their lives were spared. Thank God. One was deliverance through. The other one was deliverance from. Deliverance out of the jaws of the storm and direction or deliverance from it. Didn't even get in the sea. I like deliverance from. How about you? Deliverance from. In order to get deliverance from, you got to be led by the Spirit. You got to heed the warnings of the Lord and pay attention when He tells you. Now, if He tells you to do something, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have any challenges. Right in the middle of them obeying the Lord, Him telling them to go over, they're getting one of the biggest storms they've ever been in. The enemy will try to hinder you. But when you're doing what he told you to do, there is grace. And you've got every right to stand up in the middle of it and use your authority in the name of Jesus. And it has to stop and it has to back off. And you're delivered from it. From it. Glory to God. Now, if you don't listen, you ignore the warning, you push on through, people die because of being foolish. People don't get protected. They miss it. But, you know, and you look at this situation. Paul was not in control of this, was he? Wasn't his boat. He wasn't in charge of the military guys there. He wasn't in charge of the sailor guys there. He tried to talk to them. They wouldn't listen. Well, God knows that. And while he was praying, he said, God, you know, the Bible said he did a lot of praying down the bottom of that boat about this deal. And he said, Lord, would you give me the rest of these guys too? I know they didn't listen to us, but... I'm trusting you to save me. Would you give me the rest of the guys with us? And the angel came and he said, the Lord has heard you and you're not going to die out here. But also everybody's with you. He's given to you. And everyone have made it out alive. That's the mercy of God. That's the protection of God. But they went through some stuff because they didn't listen. Do you see that? There's protection. And then there's protection. <laughs> there's protection out of the midst of it and it's tough but you made it through but then there's protection from the whole thing you just missed the whole thing glory to God glory to God is God in the protecting business you believe it stand on your feet please this ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of more life ministries and faith life church If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.